Do you, EBO? It's a fun book. It's an informative book, and I love owls. Dr. Carl Safina is the author and ecologist of Alfie and Me, What Owls Know, What Humans Believe. I learned a lot. Hi, Carl. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Okay, I'm good. Excellent. Okay, um, how's Elfie? You know, I just, I love owls. I, I love, love, love them. And my first question is, have you ever seen an albino owl? I've seen many snowy owls. I've never seen an albino owl. Okay, maybe that's what I had in my tree. Because I had a white owl in my tree. I couldn't wait to talk to you to find out how rare that is. Where Where is this? In Missouri. Uh, was it in the wintertime? Mm, fall. It was in my tree. Mm, probably a barn owl. They look, they're totally white from below. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know what it was, but it, it was, it was creepy. All right. So, um, why did you get involved with owls? I know you're an ecologist, but that's a pretty wide scope. What, what is it about owls that drew you in? I've, well, I've loved owls and all other birds and, in fact, basically all animals my whole life. But mm-hmm. this particular owl found us. She was somehow dragged out of her nest and dropped on somebody's lawn and rescued and then brought to a wildlife rehabber who um, didn't quite know how to care for and raise a young owl. So I was working with this rehabber to, um, you know, let this little owl survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. And eventually the idea was that we would manage a release from my backyard as soon as this, um, this baby owl could fly. But it wasn't that simple because her feathers did not come in properly at first. So Mm -hmm. we held her over a molt. And, um, and over the winter when there would not have been much food out there. And during that time, we developed quite a relationship with her. And then we did let her wander off, but she chose to stay around. So awesome. You know, I did, I, did, I want to ask you questions about the book like I don't know anything like a listener would do. I think the book is a great lesson, not just on being having humanity towards animals just just valuing their life because a lot of people would have saw this little owl and thought eh, let nature take its course you know um right there are a lot of us who see a baby bird falling from a nest we try to put it back in they just keep falling back out we cry because we don't know what to do but you knew mm-hmm. what to do with this owl over a period of time figuring it out because not i mean you might be an ecologist but you can't know everything about this particular owl No, I certainly didn't know everything about this particular owl, and this is a good way of phrasing that question, because she is a particular owl. That's one of the things I learned, is that the different individuals have different personalities. The experiences in their life allow them to forge relationships. You know, they have a history that affects really who they are, and what relationships they will have. And their capacity for bonding is another thing that really came as a surprise to me. And what surprised me the most is for in my mind, you know, I've had parakeets, I've had parrots, I've had, you name it, I've had pet everything from ostrich to to pigs to weird dogs. But 
Uh, well, I, that's, that's quite a range, yeah. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. had a lot of different things, but I've always thought of owls as a wild animal, and I've I've never thought that you could deal with them on a domesticated level, kind of like the way that you did. You know what I well, mean? Well, they, I mean, they are they are wild. Um, domestic really means that that uh, an animal has or a plant has been bred differently from its wild form. You know, this this owl was entirely undomesticated. Nonetheless, she was tame because we raised her and she trusted us. You know, we had a bond of trust. And then what I came to see, because she was completely tame and I could watch her at point-blank range doing everything, uh, I, I came to see when a wild mate came um, as a suitor that she was able to, you, you know, use her innate capacity for bonding in a more natural way with him and that this bond developed over time. It wasn't any automatic behaviors. At first, she was mistrusting of him, mm-hmm. and then she was tentative about accepting his gifts of food. And then she was very awkward about mating. But all of that developed uh, over a period of a few weeks so that she did become very trusting. And then she eagerly accepted his gifts. And then she became very skilled at mating. And, you know, we, we never think about these kinds of things with other animals, and especially wild animals. Usually we don't think of them much at all, except we might see one. And then we say we saw an owl or a deer, as as, and we think that every one of them is is basically the same and interchangeable, and that they don't really have lives, and they don't they don't have any emotional bonds, and that the bonds don't take time to develop. But in fact, they all do, and yep. that's really a lot of the the most amazing and interesting stuff that I learned. Excuse me from watching her. Right. And and I love that you said that because they do all have their own personalities. Anybody who's had a domesticated animal, whether it's a dog, a cat, or whatever it is, they are all very, very different. And just because they might have instincts doesn't mean they're the same. Yes, that's exactly right. And and we would all, always just say, you know, our, our dogs have different personalities. Our cats have always had different personalities. And, and then we assume that all wild animals don't have any personality. And the fact is that they do. Well, what an exciting adventure for you. Now, you have a compassion for almost all things animal. I, I, I can't stand squirrels. So I know we're probably different on that because they've, they've made my life hell. Um, well, you know what? We, a few years ago, we raised a squirrel. And boy, did we learn an awful lot about them and their personalities and how absolutely wonderful they can be. Uh, and I know that they can drive some people crazy in various ways, but n- nonetheless, they too are are their own little selves with their own lives and personalities. Yeah, they they took the garden I grew the entire summer down to nubs in about two hours, so I, I had a little... They, they can do that, yes, yeah, unfortunately. I was not happy. All right, so her feathers didn't grow in. You had to be so patient. How long did you actually have her? Um, I guess that was over one winter, and then the following spring, I started training her for giving her flight exercise and hunting training, and she'd be in and out of the 
outside part of the chicken coop, which I, I customized for her. She had a little chalet You're in the chicken coop. You're such a good guy. So she was in protective custody <laughs> until, you know, until I felt like we're just going to have to take the risk of freedom. It, it was very, very safe there, but that was, that was never really a good option, of course. We wanted her to have a shot at real life mm-hmm. and the, all the dangers and risks that freedom entails. Well, and she became your baby, so that's kind of a freaky thing to do. But we all do that with our human children at some point, too, some sooner than later. True. But um, So she, I wonder if she knew how lucky she was to have found y- your family. You know, I was thinking that while I was reading. This is, this is the luckiest owl in the world. And and I, I'm curious as to know how you came up with the name. What made you f- end up with that name? Well, many, many year, years ago, decades ago, when I was in my 20s, I was uh, a very active wildlife rehabber. And someone brought me a baby owl at that time. This one could never be released, could, could never fly correctly but someone someone saw this this little baby owl um right very soon after i got him that was a male and said oh what a little rascal and so i thought about the, the, (laughs) the, the characters in the our gang comedy the little rascals and so that one was buckwheat we called we called that one buckwheat so when we got this one all these decades later I thought, well, I, I don't know what gender this is. As a little chick, I couldn't tell. So right. I just, I said, are there any other little rascals that have sort of a gender-neutral name? So so we named this one Alfalfa and shortened it to Alfie, which sounds a little like Owlfie, uh-huh. and that became her name. And she turned into, you know, we, we realized later when the suitor came around and we were watching the, all the all the behaviors of him hunting and delivering food and then the, the mating postures. And we realized that, you know, Alfie was certainly female. Mm-hmm. We always called her she or her um, only because the default is to call everything him. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, was a little, I was a little tired of that. So I said, well, I, we don't know the gender. We'll just call this one her. And, that, and she turned out to be a female. All right. So the part of the book that struck me most, it was early on in, in the story of Alfie and me. It's what owls know, what humans believe. We all have it wrong when it comes to owls and their personalities and thinking they're all alike. Even the different species, we expect an owl to be an owl. They have different calls. They have different rituals. They have different everything. But um, it she became part of your family. So the, the morning that you went out and the food that you had left out was untouched, did you freak out a little? Oh, yeah. I mean, I always worried about her to a, a kind of, you know, kind of a silly degree. But, you know, she was really um, a, a little, you know, she was like my little baby. I, mm-hmm. I was extremely fond of her. I, I had learned so much from her already. And I knew that uh, I knew that it was a dangerous world out there once she went free flying and when she immediately disappeared and we left food that was not taken and I did freak out a little, I just thought, well, maybe that's it. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe she's alive. Maybe she's not alive. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a thing that did freak me out was that the first morning that she was gone, there were um, six or eight of her feathers 
in one spot on the ground right outside our back door. <sighs> and I thought, oh, God. I mean, in the first night, something has killed her. And, um, and then I thought, well, maybe she just got attacked by some blue jays and they ripped a few feathers out and she just, you know, flew away. Maybe that doesn't mean she's actually been attacked. Mm -hmm. Maybe even she's starting a molt. So there were, there were a couple of, you know, non-fatal possibilities there, but I didn't know. And, um, and I thought, well, maybe this is it. But then a week later, she just suddenly showed up and she has never left. And that, that's now, um, she's now five years old. So awesome. I mean, it's just so awesome because owls are, I mean, you're like Harry Potter. It's so awesome. I'm so excited for you. But have, watching your baby grow and then watching her, your baby have babies, I mean, you've gone full circle with this owl. Yes, indeed. And the book ends after her first brood uh, leaves the nesting territory. They, they, you know, after they leave the nest, the parents care for them for a few weeks, and then they wander away. And that is when the book ends. But right. since then, she's had two other broods. She has put ten young owls out into the world, <laughs> and we still see her and hear her frequently right around our backyard. That's so awesome. So you have grandbaby owls. Maybe grand yes, grandbaby yep. owls. That's so awesome. Yep, we do. Yeah. It's you get attached. It's hard to let them go. You did. You did what you had to do. But she was so imprinted, or I guess the word you used was imprinted in the book. But you, she trusted you, so she never really left you. But is it wise for Joe Schmo like me? I'm not an ecologist to take in an owl. It's probably not the wisest thing because I wouldn't know what I was doing. Yeah, that would be probably a disaster for the owl especially and the you know the best thing to do is to know where the nearest wildlife rehab group is have their phone number on your refrigerator in case you find some some wild animal that needs help and is in distress and you can rescue them and then get them the proper care that's really by far the best thing to do I've had an entire life and an entire career, um, you know, taking care of raising, handling, training, studying, rehabbing. So I, I very much knew exactly what to do, uh, even more so than the rehabber who, who initially brought this young owl to me. That's why she brought it to me, because she knew I had a lot more experience than she did. Yeah. But for, for most people, you know, going to the rehabbers is exactly the right thing to do. Well, it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful story. I knew your wife, Patricia, and you did such a beautiful job with this owl. And it was, she was a baby screech owl, I believe, right? Wasn't it a screech owl? A baby screech owl, yeah. yes. And okay. actually, you know, funny thing is just this morning, Patricia got up in the dark because she had an early appointment she had to get ready for and and i i would i didn't get up i was you know i was waiting for dawn to come mm -hmm. and all of a sudden uh, i think i hear her calling my name several times in my dreams and and she was and so i yelled down from the bedroom what and she said <laughs> alfie's here so I out in the dark with her and alfie was right there by the back door so amazing well i'm going to give a copy of your book away to one of our listeners in a in gratitude of them listening while we tell your story dr carl safina is an author he's got lots of books out there where do people get a hold of this one? Oh, anywhere 
anywhere online, you know, all you do is, uh, you know, type in the title Alfie and Me or, or go to any bookstore. It's published by Norton. It's a, that's a big publisher. They're mm-hmm. widely distributed. Any bookstore can get it if they don't have it in stock or any, any online bookseller, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million, any of them can, can, um, ship a book to you. Everybody get a copy. I'll give one away right now. The EBO ticket window is open. Thank you, Dr. Carl Safina, for joining us today. The book was fun and informational and just beautiful. So thank you, sir. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. It was fun to talk to you. You're very welcome.